welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the Friars Grill of Merrimack and Hampshire, the Puma, and the Pro Football Radio senior contributor at Burgess, aka the Burge Fells. Welcome in. How are y'all? It's a lot better now that I'm on here. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, rough day for you guys? For me it was, Just, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one dad way to life, put it. Dad life, you know, and yeah. going through the stages of infancy with a, with a little guy, and every day is a, is a new thing. So it's, it's tiring, exhausting, but in the end, it's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. I know like it's a time. wives' tale, Burge, but like, you know, He's going through the teething stage, you know, just put some whiskey on his gums. He'll be fine. <laughs> That's you know, what I was saying. Jay and I were talking about that right before you hopped on. And uh, you know, thoughts crossed my mind, but uh, that'll be like an absolute last gift resort. I don't think we'll ever get to that point. Just just do it when Chantel's not home. Be like, hey, hon, go have like a girls' night in a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Like, She's uh, too smart. She'll figure it out. She'll be like, why is there whiskey in the house? You don't drink whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta hide that in the car. It's fine. I'll go to the doghouse. I don't want to go to the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nobody wants that. So before we get into the NFL football action, I think it's important we discuss something. Something that uh, you know it would be kind of tone deaf to not discuss. Um, something that happened that was fairly monumental in the past week or so. Um, an event that kind of rocked many, right? Um, and when I watched it, it shook me to my core, right? Uh, and that was my beloved Ohio State Buckeyes losing last night to Bama. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Like, oh man, are we really <laughs> are we going back to the politics threshold? This is going to be a Rogan episode here. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be whole again after last night's beatdown. You know, um, you know, a lot of things happened over the last week and a half. None more, you know, earth shattering wow. to me than last night's game. You know. Wow. <laughs> Football runs deep in Ohio and Bama. Did you guys see those uh, that video of uh, basically nobody caring about COVID nineteen down Tuscaloosa after the I, that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at yeah. least. I, I looked at it. I woke up this morning and you know I do my normal thing. I'll wake up and I'll, I'll go to Twitter to see if the world is still turning. Yeah. And then um, I, I saw that video of uh, of the big old parade down in Tuscaloosa, or the big gathering rather, and I looked at it and I just shook my head and I said, well, business as usual, COVID doesn't exist south of the Mason-Dixon line and just went <laughs> yep. back over and hit the snooze button. <laughs> spot yeah. on, Puma, spot yeah. on. Rough game last night, man. And, you know, truthfully, man, like, you know, I've, I've been in, I know you guys probably feel the way I feel when I'm watching a big game. And it's close and it's intense and you're like nervous, you're pacing back and forth. If you're bird, you're yelling at the TV, you know? Yep. <laughs> you're, you're yelling at the TV. But last night was one of those games for me, like, I just knew we weren't the better team. Like, we were so vastly not even the same league as Alabama. And, and it's kind of comforting when you know early on, oh, well, you know, shit. We're not even in their league. It's not even going to be a close game. So what are you going to do, man? Uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is, right? You should be happy to be out there. You know, you had a ticket in that game, right? Right, Jay? You, you, yeah, you bet I, that? Had, I had uh, I had ten dollars on that line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. So on top of that, I lost ten dollars. You know, the week just gets worse and worse. Sad. <laughs> Sad. Yeah, well, I, but... I was watching earlier in in uh, in on 98.5 and they were there was the guy on there is betting. He bets all the time and he even took Ohio State to cover that. And obviously mm-hmm. that didn't happen. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be a closer game than what it was. Well, we Same. But on the other side, I won about $110 last week. This was my best week so far. 
Um, I hit two parlays, like a $68 parlay and a $25 parlay. And then like a couple little games here and there that I hit on. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing good right now. I'm feeling good about here, it. You know? Here comes a slippery slope. Uh, here we um, go. I got, I'm going to get my bookie hat back on, you know? Here we go. Uh, Jay, before like we move off of the, the game real quick, did, I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I looked at the score, I was kind of like the embodiment you know, of the meme of SpongeBob saying, all right, I'm a head out. And yeah. I, I put on uh, the man in the high castle on Amazon, which is worth the watch if you haven't Absolutely. seen it, mm-hmm. but has, did, did Justin Fields, like, did he do anything to improve his draft stock? Is it no. status quo? Did he hurt status anything? Quo. Okay. Status, status quo for the most part. He had a couple of big hits, a couple of big uh, throws. Uh, he showed, he showed some leadership, but at the end of the day, man, it's one of those things where like, the defense didn't show up one bit. And, you know, the fact that we played seven games this year showed quite a bit last night because we never really found a secondary. And I know you guys watch the NFL quite a bit and you don't know how college football kind of works, but, you know, it takes about eight, nine games for your team to find out who you are, especially with young kids that are kind of learning the process, learning their new position. Uh, year after year, it's a turnover. People go to the NFL. You know, we, we lost, you know, Arnett and we lost Chase Young. and We never really refilled that defensive end. Um, so it really showed last night and experience and, and I got to give my hats off to Alabama, man. They're just at a different level. Um, you know, Devonte Smith is going to be an absolute terror for whoever picks him up in the NFL. Jalen Waddle was out there limping around on his broken ankle, which he shouldn't have been out there. Um, and then on top of that, Mac Jones, he had a hell of a game, but like I was telling Burge earlier, I wouldn't buy into his stock for the NFL, NFL draft. Gotcha. Uh, do you think Ryan Day is on the hot seat? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. This is his second year. Um, essentially, he took over. This is his second year. Last year, he made it to the college ball playoffs in his first year. He's the one that recruited Justin Fields and got him up there, rechanged our whole offense. Um, we lost to a Clemson last year. We won against Clemson this year, made it to the championship. So he's trending well. His, his stock is going up, you know? Cool, cool. Yeah. You really can't can't fault a guy that got his team to the national championship, but especially in the year that they've had to deal with yeah. multiple COVID outbreaks and all that. Yeah. 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 So, so stock is pointing up. He's got a really good draft class coming in next year's draft class. I believe is the best draft class we've ever had. Um, and then the year after that is even better. Essentially. It's, it's actually better than Alabama's draft class right now. So, so the future is looking bright, man. You know, it's uh, it's all upwards from here. Sick. Let's talk about some NFL action. Let's give you guys a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. We got a couple of takeaways from Super Wildcard Weekend. Um, my man uh, Puma is going to be talking about the Steelers. Burge is going to be talking about the Colts and Frank Reich. And then we'll jump into the divisional round previews, which includes the Rams and the Packers, the Ravens and the Bills, um, the Browns and the Chiefs, and then finally the Buccaneers and Saints um, to round out the weekend. So without any further ado, you guys ready to do this? Yes, sir. Awesome. All right. So, which one are we doing first? Uh, I already forgot. Was the Steelers? Right. Yeah. Uh, we're we're gonna we'll do the Steelers one first, and um, you know we're we're all gonna take a moment and bow our heads and uh, pay respects to the the Steelers because this is an obituary kind of, and you know, in all seriousness, a little tongue in cheek, and I guess you could say it's like a, a lukewarm ish take on my part, but I think it's fair to say that you know the Steelers that we saw on on Sunday that lost in an air quote surprising fashion to the Cleveland Browns 
we're not going to see that same team next year. Uh, Big Ben, he's probably going to be mulling retirement. Uh, there's a whole bunch of cap ramifications that have to be figured out if he retires or if he's traded or if he's cut or if they actually decide to extend him to alleviate some cap pressures. But beyond that, you know, Marquise Pouncey, he's going to retire. Uh, James Conner's a free agent. Bud Dupree, he's going to be a free agent. Grant, he's coming off of a knee injury next year. Uh, Juju, the dance, uh, dancing TikTok star, he's going to be a free agent. Um, Alejandro Villanueva, that one, I didn't realize he was going to be a free agent. I think that's going to be a, a big loss on that offensive line if he's not there. Um, and, you know, this team, on all facets of the game, they, they, they just went out and laid an egg on Sunday. They looked flat out the gate. They've looked flat the last couple of weeks going into this game. Um, when the aborted snap that turned into a touchdown recovery for Cleveland happened. I was like, this is, this is what we're going to get out of the Steelers tonight. Like it, they, they kind of made it close in, in garbage time towards the end. They got it within about maybe two scores, a score down the, down the stretch, but Cleveland was in control of this game for the most part. Um, I, a lot, I, there's just so much to take away from this. I just, I, this Steelers team that you're going to see, you know, I think a lot of people that had them finishing dead last in the division, which believe it or not, there, there were some people out in the business that thought so, they might have been a year too early in them finishing dead last. I think with all of the restructuring that they're going to have to do next year, uh, it is fair to say that they could be towards the bottom of the, the AFC North next year. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they finished dead last with Cincinnati ahead of them. And that's shocking to say. Yeah. But yeah, man, listen, I, I was watching that game and I was absolutely stunned at what was happening, right? I mean, the Browns looked like they were hungrier, like they wanted it more. And it makes sense because it's been, what, a quarter century since they actually won a playoff game. Um, and from the jump, you can just tell they had more juice. And the question I want to pose to you guys is how much of this is on Mike Tomlin? Because, you know, this is not the first time we've seen um, colossal failures. And there's a lot. There's also stuff that comes out of Pittsburgh that essentially alludes to the fact that he's a very player-friendly coach. And he always has people like A.B. or Le'Veon Bell. Now he has Claypool and um, Juju Smith-Schuster. So what I'm trying to get at, is it on Tomlin that his organization isn't as buttoned up as it should be? I think definitely. I think mm -hmm. there's definitely uh, something to say there. It seems like every year when the Steelers kind of underachieve, you know, we talk about this. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like it's the same thing, you know, year in and year out. And, you know, getting back to the to the Steelers, I, I get the same kind of feeling with that loss that they suffered on Sunday that I got last year for, for the 2019 Patriots, just like knowing after the game that this team is going to look a hell of a lot different going forward. And they kind of had the, kind of the same season, too. Like, they came out of the gate. They were undefeated for a long, for a long time. I think they were 11-0. And, and they mm -hmm. ended up losing four out of the last five games. You know, you got the same kind of vibe from the 2019 Patriots last year. And this very well could be the end of, of Ben Roethlisberger in, in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of cap ramifications that go into whatever he decides to do. I mean, if he stays, I mean, they're looking at a $41 million cap hit next year. I mean, that's astronomical for, you know, what you're going to get out of him. And, you know, $22 million roughly dead cap hit if they decide to move on. And then I'm not sure how it works out if it retires. But, you know, I, I'm kind of with you, Puma. I think there's a chance that this team could definitely fall way down in the division next year. Um, the question mark being with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. 
Yeah, Jay, just to answer your question real quick, you you have to put some of this on on Mike Tomlin. Like he he's the he's the captain of the ship, and you know we I know they they rested Big Ben uh, week seventeen, and you know. I don't have a problem with that because the guy's been throwing, I think on average, about like 50 balls a game because they don't have a running game. They have to do the short, quick throws to get any sort of offense going. But going into this game, I think when you start resting Big Ben and he's not practicing and then you rest other skill position players and, and just either think you're going to cruise against the, the Cleveland Browns that have been fighting tooth and nail to get in the playoffs. Like that's, that's almost, you know, malpractice at that point on, you know, on Mike Tomlin. And then some of the veteran players that I know they want a veteran rest day, but you have to understand the inning and the score that you're in of, we haven't looked that great. We could probably use the practice this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just got that feeling from from the Steelers as soon as they came out that they had this preconceived notion that, well, the Cleveland Browns are going through COVID issues this week. On top of that, their head coach isn't here. I think the Steelers really felt they can roll the footballs out there and beat these uh, Browns fairly easily. Um, mm-hmm. I think the week before, you know, the Browns beat the Steelers by like what three, four points. It was a really close game, but the Steelers had all this uh, had all their second teamers in. So I think they probably had this mindset. Well, listen, uh, you know, we'll have our we'll have starters in there. We'll go in there and we'll beat the Browns fairly easily. And that was not the case because you can just tell the energy was different for the Browns on that first play. I mean, both uh, what's his face, the offensive lineman, and no, I'm sorry, James Conner and Big Ben were standing around that ball. You know, essentially saying you go and get it, and then yeah, the Big defender, Ben made a business decision. Exactly, he and pulled then, a he pulled a Cam Newton, and then the he defender, made a business decision. Defender for the Browns comes in and goes in between them to recover the football. So you can just tell by the energy that they really weren't in it um, for a dirty fight. Yep. And that's on Mike Tomlin. That's on Mike Tomlin to get mm-hmm. his get his team ready, right? And we've talked about this quite a few times with how loose of a ship he runs. Um, and on top of that, like I can't believe ever since Le'Veon Bell has left, they haven't been able to negate those running issues, right? Um, they're apparently they're great at uh, drafting wide receivers, but they still can't seem to fix that running back spot, and it seems to bite them in the ass every year. Well, they, they have a guy that that's made out of glass. So listen, no disrespect from from James Conner, the the guy. Tough as nails, survived cancer, is playing in the NFL. No disrespect to the kid at all. But the fact of the matter is, is he had one good year, and then the last the last year, and then this season as well, he's he's been Mr. Glass. He keeps getting dinged up. He can't be consistently on the field. And his, his backup, uh, Benny Snell, uh, is is even more hot or cold. And he's not even he's not even really a, an injury liability. And, and the Steelers always played down their competition. I just don't get. And we've seen this from them in the playoffs in the past against like the Jaguars and other teams of like they play down the competition, but they play down the competition in the playoffs when you you can't do that. Like there is no all right, we'll get the next team next week in a bounce back spot. No, you if you lose to the Jacksonville, you lose to to, to Cleveland, you're you're going to be having a, an early golf trip uh, this season instead of playing you know deep into January and February. So I know we've all agreed on the fact that maybe it's not the wisest financial decision to to cut Big Ben and move on from him, but I am in the camp that this year you've got to go out, whether it's through free agency trade or draft, and find a backup or a near parent to Big Ben. So essentially, Big Ben can be your bridge guy next year, and you're grooming some guy for the future. Do you guys share that same viewpoint as me, or do you guys still think Big Ben's a couple more years in him? Do do you not? Do you are you basically punting on Mason Rudolph at this point? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. I am. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you you have to 
think of think really long and hard about drafting a quarterback. And you know, if they cut him, it's forty two million dollar cap hit. If he retires, it's a twenty two million dollar cap hit, which is. You know, if for some reason there's a team that wants to trade for Big Ben, it's a $22 million cap hit too. So really the, the only logical way that they can negate this is if they extend him to try to move money off of this year and kick the can down mm-hmm. the line. And then I think they, they have to draft a quarterback. There, there really isn't an excuse anymore. They probably should have did it last year, uh, but they just keep playing kick the can and that bird's come home, coming home to roost. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, Are you guys have any other final thoughts on this subject before we move off? Do you, do you think Tomlin is, is, is a bit on the hot seat now going forward? Obviously, I don't think he's going to get fired this year, given nah. the, you know, I don't think, finished, listen, but... if he wasn't on the hot seat before this year, then he's never going to be on the hot seat, right? Because for the most part, what, they've had uh, that run in 2010 where they got the Super Bowl against, 2008 against the Green Bay Packers, right? And then they went to the Super Bowl against the Arizona Cardinals in 2010. But ever since then, they've been fairly mediocre, right? They've won, what, maybe like mm-hmm. one playoff game in the last 10 years or whatever that stat was. So if he's not on the hot seat for that, then I don't think he'll ever be on the hot seat. I mean, no, how I many think the coaches that the Steelers ha- have had in their history? Hasn't it only been three? Including Tomlin, three. Yep. Yeah, three. it was, it was Noel, uh, Cower, and then Tomlin. Yep. So yep. They, don't, they seem committed to their, to their guys. I, I'm just curious when they're going to – when they're going to pull the plug on on Tomlin, and maybe next year when they if they finish dead last in the AFC North, that, that that'll be it to reset it. Who knows? It's funny how like both the uh, there's two teams in the AFC North that are loyal to a fault to their head coaches because same thing happened in uh, in Cincinnati where Marvin Lewis yep. stayed way longer than he should have. Yeah, sure he Absolutely. had a couple of good teams here and there, but for the most part the ownership group maybe they're just too cheap and they want to go pay for somebody else. Um, I don't think the Roonies are like that. I feel like they're a, a one of the pillars uh, in the NFL. So I, I, they're going to stick with uh, Mike Tomlin. I feel like that's just the Roonies' core belief in how they do business. Uh, maybe it's not the best idea just because of how under underwhelming some of these teams have been. Um, but if it's been working for how many years, it might as well. You can't, you can't argue with it now, right? Right. And I think like Tomlin's saving grace is the fact that Last year, he went 8-8 eight and eight with an elite defense and a Mason Rudolph and a guy whose nickname is Duck. So, like, you know, to Burge's point, I think if they do finish dead last next year, which I think they are, you know, the Roonies might think long and hard of, okay, it might be time to get some fresh blood in here. But I think this offseason, they're going to get a new offensive coordinator. They're going to have to get something dynamic going for this team because the offensive coordinator that they had, and his name is escaping me right now, um, but it was bland at best. So they, they definitely have to make some coaching staff changes. And, and on top of that, there's like this entitlement for some of these players on this team. You know, I, I found those uh, those Chase Claypool comments fairly troubling, man. It's like, you know, yeah, you lost to the Browns, but you're still going out there running your running your gums. And on top of that, you've got the mm-hmm. TikTok star in, in Juju. Like, I just feel like this team <laughs> mentally isn't there the way it mm-hmm. should be, right? Like, imagine if the talent on this team had a disciplined, buttoned-down approach that the Patriots have. I mean, this team would do damage and could be a great dynasty as well. But I do feel the lack of discipline is, is hurting them right now. Yep. No, I just want to dance in the middle of, uh, you know, in between plays, Jay. That's that's all I want to do. Yeah. I want to dance. I want to get my Pizza Hut endorsement and my my Twitch stream and, and playing Fortnite. That's all I care about, did, Jay. Did, did you guys did you guys see him dance? Was it him yep. who danced? I sent it to you. Yep. Yeah. When they were getting blown yep. out. Yep. Yep. He was dancing before um, the third down play. Yep. Unbelievable. I just want I just want to dance. I just want to dance. 
I want the Patriots to stay the hell away from him in free agency just because of that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want him. Yeah, I don't want him. I think he, him and Bill Belichick would clash. I mean, he's not a one. Like he's yeah. not a one. Yeah. You know what? For for everything, listen. Like we've we've gone down that road of Antonio Brown. Okay, mm-hmm. but the one aspect that maybe just maybe Antonio Brown was actually right about was the fact that Juju is not a number one without him. You know what I'm saying? Like ever since AB left Pittsburgh. He has been underwhelming at best uh, as as a skill position player in the National Football League at the wide receiver position, especially when they moved him back inside and he still didn't do anything. And he been he's been outpaced by the rookie Chase Claypool and the and the second year player Deontay Johnson and James mm-hmm. Washington at times. Like I I hope he likes getting a, a prove it deal next year because he's not going to be getting the bank that he expects to be getting in free agency. That's yeah. the only way I'd want him in New England. Prove it deal. Only way. Even then, that's a stretch him. for New England. Like, you, you don't have an like you need an alpha. And I know like no, I this agree. is getting down the weeds, but like you need an alpha on that wide receiver group. And you know, let's be honest, there's a bunch of betas uh, on the New England Patriots, and especially when Ju- if Julian Edelman's going to be a cap casualty next year. What's yep. what's below a beta? Because I don't think we got betas. <laughs> I don't know. Because if, if Juju is a beta, then he's by far the best wide receiver that'd be on our roster right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I I would steer clear. That's me. Um, uh, um, speaking of I think uh, that's dan- bit. speaking of dancing, did you guys see the Ravens and how they were dancing on the Titans logo? Oh yeah, best rivalry in football, <laughs> and it's not even close. I, I, well, it's funny because um, they got penalized for that, correct? Yep, 15 yards. Yep. It's funny that dancing on the logo in the middle of the field gets you a 15-yard penalty, but if you dance on the logo on the end zone, it's fine. Right? <laughs> What's the difference? Yeah. Like, wh- wh- where does that, like, where is the line drawn? Is it the size of the logo? Is it in the middle of the field that causes see, the 15-yard see, penalty? See, to provide context, <laughs> you're also using this in a weekend where officiating has been oh, shaky yeah. at best. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to touch on that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great segue because I know we have a lot to say about the uh, Buffalo Bills and Indianapolis Colts game. Uh, that was uh, the first game of the weekend where Can't the Buffalo wait. Bills beat them 27-24. to 24. And I know my friend, the Burge, has quite a bit to say about the Indianapolis Colts. So, sir, take it away. The floor is yours. You want to you want to see a, a video of me uh, screaming at the TV? You can. Uh, if, I wish somebody was recording me screaming at the TV at <laughs> at one Puma's I, lover, I saw, Frank Reich, during saw, this game. I, I saw that video of that guy saying, "You can't, you can't." I was like, "That's Burge. That has to be Burge watching the <laughs> yeah. Colts and the Buffalo Bills." <laughs> That guy was losing his shit. He's like, you can't. You can't. You can't. You have to do it. You have to. (laughs) I was losing my mind watching this game. Look, you know, going into the game, you know, I I picked with my heart last week. I picked the Indianapolis Colts to at least cover. So take the L. Stop it. Stop it. it. You picked out a spite. You picked out a spite. Yeah, and you also picked out a spite against the Buccaneers as well. So take that. (laughs) I will. I will take my L on the Buccaneers. Take the L. Definitely. I, that's, a, that's a story for, for a little bit later on. But, <laughs> look, I picked the Colts to cover and to win outright. At least they did gave me 50% of that in this game. They did everything right in this game but finish. I, I was very excited watching this game, uh, especially early on, the way the Colts were playing. They were dictating the game. They, did ex- they were doing exactly what I said last week on this podcast that they needed to do to win this game, and that was run the ball effectively, control the clock, 
and keep the Bills' quick strike offense off the field. The first half, they did that. They did that, albeit perfectly, with the exception of them finishing. Now, watching watching their drives, like the the play calling from Frank Reich was was driving me insane. Going into your two minutes left in the half, all right, you're in you're in the the you're basically goal to go situation, and on third down. You know, with with their all pro offensive line, their guard, they they decided to run this this pitch out to run outside against um, against this Bills defense, and they were stuffed for a loss. All right, Jay, Jay, you and I were talking during the game, and we were like, "This is four down territory for the Colts. They have they have to punch yep. this thing in." Mm-hmm. And you know, why for the love of God they decided to try an outside run there instead of running. Up the gut, which was working with Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines in this game, run it up the gut behind their all-pro offensive lineman, and just you know run it up there and more or less assure yourself that you're not going to get backed up going into fourth down here because it was four-down territory. I think everybody knew it and all that. I have no issue with the play call that they ran on fourth down there. You know, just just slight overthrow from. From Philip Rivers. Otherwise, you're talk you're talking a completely different ball game going into that. They had the right play call on that, no question about it. And I support the decision for them not to kick the field goal there because I don't think that you know, yeah, they lost by three points, but I really don't think that changed the game. Now, again, going back, now you give the ball back to the Bills. They're driving down the field as we expected them to do all game up to this point. Indianapolis had done a really good job shutting down that offense because they were controlling the field position and basically forcing. Josh Allen to make plays that you know he needed to make to to to, to extend his drives and he wasn't making them. Um, and again, I'm not faulting Josh Allen for that. I mean, the Colts defense was playing very well um, outside of one drive up to that point. You get to a fourth down and three. You're on the fringe of field goal range um, for the Indianapolis Colts. You know that the Bills are coming out to hard count you here to see if they can get you to jump. They tried it once. On that, on that play, they tried it once. Nobody jumped. The second one came, and Ture jumped off sides. And I don't know if you guys saw the video of the Indianapolis Colts coach um, on the sideline, the camera angle where um, you, you could see him as Ture jumped, jumped the snap. And he just took his headset, and he threw it to the ground. That was <laughs> me during that play. I was pissed. I'm like, everybody in that stadium knew that was coming. You knew they probably – I mean, they ended up snapping the ball anyways, but – I didn't think they were actually going to snap it. Don't jump off sides. Dumb, dumb, dumb. And obviously, you know, they went, they go down, they score a touchdown. Some, some catches were made that the call on the field is different on the reviews. They stand. They were very close. You can make arguments both ways on them. Puma, I know you have a different opinion on this. You can get into it when you talk. But, you know, they, they go down, they score, and more or less that was the game. I mean, Jay, you and I were talking about, like, this is probably game over. Yep. Um, getting back to Frank Reich. In the second half, he made a challenge on a, uh, a potential fumble that Zach Moss had, and he had, I think he, Zach Moss ended up getting injured, and now he's out for the uh, for the rest of the playoffs. Yep. On that play, but all you had to do was look at one replay on that and see, okay, it's not a fumble. It was clearly not a fumble. He was clearly down before the ball came out. And they come back from commercial break and they say, oh yeah, Frank Reich ended up challenging this play and blew a timeout. He's got one left for the rest of the rest of the game. I was like. You freaking moron. You are going to need that timeout coming down the stretch in this game uh, in hopes to either win it or tie it coming down the stretch here. 
and he freaking blew that timeout. And let's be honest, they have that extra timeout going down on that last drive. Who knows? There might be something different that happens. Buffalo Bills defense was porous in the uh, fourth quarter, giving up those two quick, quick strike drives with big, big plays on the ground from uh, Naheem Hines. I believe it was just him. I think he had both of them. And, you know, they go down the field in four minutes of game time, they put up 14 points. You have that timeout at the end of the game, you have a chance more so to get closer. They were, I think, at the 40, were they 45 of their own territory when they tried that Hail Mary with Philip Rivers, who didn't even make the end zone. Um, but what the hell are you doing, Frank Wright? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I forgot. I, I forgot to mention. I forgot oh, to mention. He goes okay, for two. Right, I go. Yep. For, he goes for two when he's down by by two scores, and now you're down eight points. You got to try it again. Granted, they got it the second time, but why put yourself in a situation when you have to go for two twice? Like, why? I get the analytics, but I just I just completely <laughs> disagree with that with that crap. Piss hey, me the f off! I'm not gonna. Well, swear, I mean, in, me in in Frank Reich's defense on the Hail Mary throw, that wouldn't have happened if uh, the Magoo crew wasn't the referee crew on that. That was my last point. That was my last fumble. point. You go back like, to the officials all day Saturday. That was a terrible call, all and weekend. I think the, the call on the field in that made the most because was he touching him? Was he not before he fumbled it? Can they overturn it? I I get why the play stood, but it should have never even come to that. That should have been a a rule that should have just been a fumble outright, and the yep. game should have ended right there. I, the, 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 you can get into the officials again. Jamal Adams not being ejected for the hit on Walford for sending him to the hospital. You know, you can get into it all you want, but man, Frank Reich, I got a bone to pick with you because you were this close to making me a very happy man on Saturday. <laughs> well, you know, to to kind of counter real quick, and, you know, I get it as as a Frank Reich uh, fan or fanboy or, or whatever. Whatever. I, I love me fan, some Frank Reich. I have strong enough. I, I don't – I have – I have – I don't care. I, I I love Frank Reich. I think he, I think he's great. I, I love the hire go. when uh, when Josh McDaniels left that team at, at, at the at the altar, and um, I, I thought it would have been great to see him with uh, with him and uh, Andrew Luck. But that's beside the point. But um, you, you can look at all just the regular season. Like the Colts were one of the worst teams getting into the red zone uh, on on red zone efficiency. So like I get it. Like you know, you're pissed. It's the it's the playoff stage here. But like, if you look at the track record as well, like this is what the Indianapolis Colts have done all season long. Like they have been horrid in the red zone. Like they're right up there on like the worst zone meter with like the Kansas City Chiefs when they get into the red zone on red zone efficiency. Yeah, yeah, man. Listen, I I I, I just like uh, Bird. You know, I, I I did want the the Colts to win this game. Um, I picked the Buffalo Bills to win, and, and and you know everything that I thought going into this weekend with the Colts kind of played out the way it did, man. Like you know they they just especially the second half, like Frank Frank Reich had some pretty stupid decisions that he made. Um, you know he he just wasn't up to a level of coaching that he he we've seen from him in the past. On top of that, Philip Rivers, man, I just knew he couldn't go into Buffalo and beat Josh Allen. But the one thing I will say is like, you know. As bad as the Colts played, I think they played as bad as they could besides the running game. Mm-hmm. I still think that this game um, should have been this close. I think the Buffalo Bills, as good as they are, should have blown them out by 10 points or more. So at the end of the day, they survived and they advanced. But it might be a little worse than for Buffalo Bills fan that the Colts, besides the running attack, didn't have a good game in any other field, um, in any other part of their team, and they still only lost by three points. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other thing you can get into about this. And, you know, 
for a lot of this game, I mean, the Buffalo, I mean, granted they had their drives where they, they came out and they, they did what they're known for, which is going down the field quick and, and, you know, striking when they need to. But I mean, there were a lot of drives where they looked, they looked inept, you know, especially early on in the game, um, you know, three and outs. And, you know, a lot of that probably plays into the fact that Indianapolis did a great job controlling the field position in that first half where their starting field position was inside the 20, I believe the average was for the first mm-hmm. half. Like, they they could not they could not get a good starting point for their offense. And, you know, Indianapolis, um, their defensive line was getting pressure. They were doing a good, a, a pretty decent job containing him. Uh, you know, he did get outside, and, you know, I think he ran for a touchdown, and he did get out and, and get some, some quality runs in there. But for the most part, they did a pretty good job containing him. And, you know... B- again, Buffalo almost, almost. Ha- Josh Allen almost handed me my 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 victory lap um, in this game with his 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 fumble that he had in I think it was the fourth quarter when Indianapolis was trailing, and all the guy had to do was learn how to know when to take the sack. All they needed to do was kill the clock, and he breaks out of a tackle. He tries to run out, and he gets hit, and he fumbles the ball, and they end up in I think it was second in like thirty three at that time. Yeah, and, it was a twenty five you know, yard it, sack. Yeah, Indianapolis recovers that that football i'm gloating right now i strongly believe that so you know they they, i just i i wasn't impressed with buffalo and you know i you could say i'm biased and all that but like if they had come out and blown them out which is all i heard from all the buffalo fans all week that i that i know oh they're gonna blow out this team the colts suck they're gonna blow them out they didn't and they definitely looked like they were a little too amped up in this game and you know they did enough to win but yeah i I, I just Sorry, Bruce. To, to piggyback off of like the amped up aspect, and Jay, I was t- talking to you about this after after the game when you came by, was you know I think everybody was was amped up. I think everybody's little uh, you know the the the, uh, the 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 butthole was a little tight right there in that game. I mean, let's be honest. This was the first time that the Bills have had fans in the stands all year long. Uh, it's a playoff game. They know the you know. The, the occasion, they know the history of the, the Bills and the lack of success in the playoffs over the last 25 years. And, and you know, let's be honest, too. Like, they did go three and out. They all looked wound up a little bit too tight in the beginning. But Brian Dayball, for all of his lauding as, a, you know, a great offensive coordinator, and I love Dayball, so don't, don't get it twisted. I think he's going to be a great head coaching candidate. But for the early play calls in the game, he was pretty cute with some of the play calls. This team, outside of Josh Allen running the football, has been really bad at, at running the football with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss when they were both in the lineup. So I think they were calling way too many run game uh, run plays in this game. They got a little bit too cute. They finally got back to basics. They went a little bit more up-tempo. That's when they were able to get a little bit more success in, in the passing game. Uh, but I think... They were finally able to get this under their belt. They won at home. They got the, this monkey off their back. They won in the playoffs. And I, I think that's going to be for as close as it got. And this was probably the one real game outside of the Arizona Cardinals game, you know, almost a month and a half, two months ago, uh, that they actually had to grind out and win. Um, you know, hey, it's the playoffs, survive in advance. But some of the play calling was a bit cute in my, in my eye as well. Hey, does it does it concern you a little bit that you know 
and and I understand the fact that you know they won and they're advancing and I'll get all that. But from Josh Allen's standpoint, and you know, essentially we saw him last year meltdown um, against the Houston Texans where they're up by 16 points and lost that game. And this game as well, they're up double digits in the fourth quarter. And, and I did see a little bit of trying to do too much from Josh Allen. Um, maybe he wasn't really you know ready for the moment, and he did fumble that ball which essentially, if the Colts went down and won this game, would have completely flipped the narrative on who Josh Allen is. Is there any concern for you that in these moments, he seems to press a little too much, um, and that fumble could have been very deadly if, uh, if the Colts were able to convert on that? No, because, you know, he, granted, he, and he said it himself, he was trying way too hard uh, to make something out of nothing. He knows he, he just has to eat the sack at that point. But, I mean, that sack happened after the fact that the defense, which I've been banging the table for since Matt Milano came back, they gave up two touchdowns. Like, the, you know, as a, as a you know, sports betting aside, like those were the two drives that blew the cover for the Buffalo Bills. So, like, the, the defense, they – they broke on those two drives. They gave up 14 points. Josh Allen's trying to make something out of nothing. Granted, yeah, he fumbled. It was a stupid play, but at least it wasn't as bad as the fumble last year in Houston where he basically just threw it over his head and said, I hope somebody's back there to get the football. But you saw the same thing in Houston last year too. Like it wasn't just Josh Allen that short-circuited. It was Sean McDermott that short-circuited. It was Leslie Frazier that defense that short-circuited. But they were able to regroup and win the game, and they should have ended it on a fumble that the referees blew, but that's neither here nor there. But at the end of the day, they won. And uh, I'll get more to what this defense needs to do in, like, the Ravens preview. But I'm, I'm not that concerned. I think a lot of people are going to be off of the Bills bandwagon because of that. But um, I, I'm not that concerned for Buffalo right now. Yeah. Burge, any last thoughts before we move on to the uh, game previews? No, we can, we can touch base on that when it comes time for the Ravens-Bills okay. preview. All right, well, let's move on to my favorite week of NFL football. You know, Super Wild Card Weekend is fun, but sometimes you'll have a couple bad teams in the Wild Card um, Weekend. But in Divisional Round, I mean, it's the best of the best, and we've got four great games. We're going to start off with the 11-6 and Rams taking on the 13-3 and Packers. Pumo, he got to win this game. I'm torn. I'm torn this game. You know, it's, it's the playoffs. I'm going to be torn in a lot of these games here. But, um, I, oh God, I kind of... I like Green Bay. Like I think I think they're going to win. I don't think it's going to be in, in blowout fashion. I think it's going to be really close. Like, granted, like Green Bay, they're at home. They're in Lambeau. Um, you know, Jared Goff, if he's starting, who knows if he's going to start this game? Because yeah, he 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 filled in for Wolford, who got knocked out in the Seattle game last week. He's still recovering from thumb surgery, but. Over his last two career games in uh, cold temperatures of 30 degrees or less, Jared Goff is 34 for 72, zero touchdowns, 381 yards, five interceptions. I know the Green Bay Packers defense isn't that great, but, I mean, if you're this bad in the cold, God be with you. Um, I think, really, if the Rams are going to have a puncher's chance in this game, they have to stay stout on defense. They have to get in Aaron Rodgers' face. We saw it against Tampa Bay. I think it was, what was it, week five or six, mm -hmm. where basically Aaron Rodgers quit in that game after Tampa Bay was able to get after his ass. I think if they're they're going to have a puncher's chance, they're going to have to hit this guy. They're going to have to get him dirty. They're going to have to make him uncomfortable. And, you know, for Green Bay – it's not going to be really um, 
Devontae Adams that's going to have to step up because he's going to be on the island with, with Jalen Ramsey for most of this game. I, I think it's going to have to be secondary pieces like, uh, you know, MVS, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, or Equimenius St. Brown uh, on, on the outside to try to, to make plays against the secondary because Adams is going to have his hands tied up. Um, you know, the other cornerback for the Rams, Johnson, he's no, uh, he's no slouch. He, he got that pick six off of uh, Russell Wilson last week. Uh, just be stout on defense for the Rams. Run the football a lot with Cam Akers and, and Malcolm Brown. But I think at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers are going to win this game. Uh, for those of you betting this, the Rams are six-and-a-half-point underdogs. The over-under is 45-and-a-half. Uh, my take it to the bank leg, it's actually the under in this game. I like under in 45 and a half. It's going to be cold. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of points scored in this game. So feel safe in taking the under. Porch, what you got? Yeah, I mean, Puma, I'm going to agree with you here um, on a lot of the points you just made. Uh, you know, if, if, if the Rams are going to have a spinning chance, no matter who's playing quarterback for them, they have to be stout on defense. They have to make sure that they're getting to Aaron Rodgers. They have to make sure that they're hitting him. Even if he gets the pass away, they got to make him uncomfortable back there. Um, whoever starts a quarterback for for the Rams, I mean, last week, you know, you saw Jared Goff play against Seattle's defense. I mean, he he did enough to win, but like it, it wasn't anything pretty uh, for them to win. I mean, their their defense really really made Russell Wilson back there uncomfortable, um, you know, to help them get the win in this game. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my Super Bowl pick this year, and I'm gonna pick Green Bay to win. Um, with the spread being six and a half points, I, I think there's a chance the Rams can cover this. Um, I, I'm staying away from it if I'm betting because of you know the uncertainty around uh, you know who's going to play quarterback for the Rams. Uh, but it's not going to surprise me if this is a close, grinded out type of game. But I'm going to stick with Green Bay winning. I, I, I like it to be uh, we'll say 24, uh, 28-24 uh, Green Bay to win this game. I think the Rams uh, have a real strong opportunity to to get uh, some points on defense, and uh, also that uh, Adams in this game is going to be kind of a you know the the real success for the for the Packers. How's he going to do in his matchup against Jalen Ramsey, and how how are they going to get the uh, the secondary targets involved? Like you said, MVS, you know Robert Tanyan, you know using the tight end, and I, I think that's going to be a key for Green Bay's offense. But uh, I'm going to stick with my Super Bowl pick with Green Bay winning. Yeah, listen. I, the way I see this game breaking down is basically in three different segments, right? You've got the best offense with Aaron Rodgers versus the best defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, etc. I mean, the Green Bay Packers are putting up thirty-one point eight points per game, which is the first in the NFL, against eighteen point five points allowed per game by the Rams defense, which is also the best in the NFL. Now, Aaron Rodgers, we know who he is. We know the MVP is going to come out, guns are blazing, blah blah blah. He's going to be great, right? But Aaron Donald, who may be in line for his third NFL Defensive Player of the Year, is also having a monster game. I'm sorry, monster year, right? Uh, in total, he's had 13.5 sacks, um, forced four, four forced fumbles uh, in the regular season, and he had two sacks uh, inside his playoff victory over Seattle. So he needs to come up big and put some pressure on, on Aaron Rodgers. Now, on the outside, you've got Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. You know, Adams has 115 receptions for 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns. Uh, in 14 games versus Ramsey, who is probably one of the most dominant corners uh, in the league right now on a very dominant defense. Um, so that that's something to keep an eye on as well. And then finally, McVay versus Lafleur. Sean McVay. I mean, two bright 
young coaches. Sean McVay is 43 and 21 since 2017. Although Flora is 26 and 6 and 2 seasons. Listen, it's a very evenly matched game, but it will come down to how well the quarterback plays for the Los Angeles Rams. If it's Goff or Wolford, whoever whoever is back there, if they have a bad game, I think the Packers are are, are just going to be too much for for the Rams. Uh, at the end of the day, give me the Packers 28-21. Um, you guys want to move on to the Ravens versus the Bills? Yeah, just real quick in regards to like injury stuff. The the, the ultimate thing to keep an eye on is going to be uh, Aaron Do- uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald. Uh, I guess he actually tore like cartilage off of like the bone in his ribs, so he's going to be playing that game hopped up on cortisone and painkillers. So I mean, in the cold weather, if you can barely breathe and you got cartilage issues, like I I just don't know how much of the game he's actually going to be a part of. So that's definitely something to keep an eye out. But beyond that, I'm good to move on. Let's move on to the Ravens at 12 and 5 versus the 14 and 3 Buffalo Bills. Puma, you got to win this game. I don't know why I'm asking, but I have a, I have an idea where you're going. You know, you might as well go to Birds first. Let's, we'll, Birds, I'll, go I'm going to no, no, no. first. I, I'm going to sit back on you here, bud. Go for All it. All right. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna stick with uh, stick with the the you know the team that I think is going to go to the Super Bowl this year, and it's the Buffalo Bills. And I said in the last segment, I'm not that uh, deterred by the performance and, and how close of a game it was against the Indianapolis Colts uh, on the Baltimore side. I mean, Lamar Lamar Jackson had himself a day against the Tennessee Titans, uh, 17-24 through the air, 179 yards, one one interception, uh, but he really did damage on the ground. 16 rushes, 136 yards, one touchdown, uh, really to just ice the game at that point. Uh, I think if Baltimore's going to win, they're going to have to just keep going back to the well. And, you know, th- that old expression, like, dance with the with the girl that brought you there. Like, you're going to have to stick with the run in this game. Uh, we saw what Buffalo did against Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, uh, giving up, a you know, what was it, like, you know, 140 yards on the ground. They gave up a ton of yards on the ground. Um, so I would say go back to the well on the Buffalo side. They were already thin at running back. They weren't thin at running back, but they had issues running the football. We can all agree on that. Zach Moss going down is a problem. Devonta Freeman got signed today. I think he's going to be able to make the active roster this week uh, to, to be the second running back behind Devin Singletary. But in the same adage, dance with the girl that brought you there, they're going to have to keep being uh, an air it out type of team. And especially... If Wink Martindale, he's going to want to do what he normally does, which is blitz a ton. But the issue with that is if you blitz a ton, you're going to be in man coverage a lot. And if you're in man coverage with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and and, uh, and John Brown, who had a very pedestrian day on Saturday, uh, you're going to get picked apart. So I think the Colts kind of brought the blueprint of what to do, which is to play zone a ton. But I don't think Martindale is going to do that. Um, I like Buffalo in this game. It's prime time. It's going to be cold. They're calling for high winds, so I don't know how effective both sides are going to be throwing the football, but Josh Allen's arm strength is really good to mitigate any wind issues. Uh, Buffalo is actually – this line's been moving a lot. It opened at Baltimore as three-point dogs. It got bet down to Baltimore plus one and a half, and today it got moved up to two and a half. I still like Buffalo in this game. I'm taking Buffalo. I'm laying the two and a half points. The over-under is 50. That's a weird number to me. I kind of like the under, but I don't feel that great in that, but I'll take the under in this game. All you, Burge. All I got to say, dude, is I'm not shocked at anything that you just said right there, Puma. 
your love affair with Josh Allen continues. Look, okay. <laughs> okay. Look, I, I, I do agree with you that the Indianapolis Colts brought and showed the blueprint on how you can slow down this, this Buffalo uh, Bills passing attack. I don't think that I would be scared at all of their running attack, especially now that Zach Moss is out. I mean, in the game against the Colts, Devin Singletary carried the ball three times. He averaged seven yards a carry over those three carries, but he carried the ball three times. Now, I want the Baltimore Ravens to come out and do exactly what they did to Tennessee uh, next week against Buffalo. I want them to come out and I want them to stick to what their identity has been for the past two years. I want them to run the ball. Indianapolis showed that Buffalo's rush defense can be beat last year, uh, last week. You know, they rushed for 163 yards um, in the game over 30 carries. They averaged almost five and a half yards a carry. You know, you, you, you incorporate a mobile quarterback into that, it's probably higher. But they had Phillip Rivers who, you know, doesn't run. So... I, I want, you know, I saw in in the game against Tennessee, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson had this monster run for a touchdown. And I'm like, I said, I said it to you, Jay, after this, I'm like, that's what I want to see next week. I want to see them be able to effectively run the ball. They got some real good running backs down there in Baltimore with, uh, with Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins. And then of course you have the Lamar Jackson threat. Now, Puma, you brought up the weather with the high winds uh, potentially up there in Buffalo. I think that plays right into Baltimore's favor. I mean, Buffalo has zero run game, and you know the loss of Zach Moss continues to, to for that to grow. And you know you're going to rely on Devin Singletary or you know uh, a washed up Devonte Freeman. I hope he doesn't come back to bite me in the ass with uh, with my comments I just made. But look, uh-huh. I'm taking I'm taking Devonte's keeping receipts, Burge. I'm taking this right to the bank, dude. Give me Baltimore in this game. I've been calling for this matchup. For the last month, this is who I wanted to see in the wild card weekend against Buffalo because I thought that would have given me my uh, my correct one and done prediction for the Buffalo Bills. I'll obviously take the L on that one. Um, I was very close to getting it, but I will take my L there. I, I you know, I, this Baltimore team has just has you know they had a slow start against Tennessee. Um, you know that that was a bit concerning watching that game. But uh, you know, I they've been they've been playing very good football, you know, over the last quarter of the season, and you know, I, I, I just I'm I'm all in on the Baltimore train. I mean, if you look at my Facebook page, my Facebook picture is a picture of one Lamar Jackson. I hated that man last year, but I absolutely love him right now, and I love the reaction I'm getting on that Facebook uh, picture because I've gotten to some pretty good arguments with some Buffalo fans and some other NFL fans. So keep it coming. Let's go. Baltimore to the bank. Give it to me as a uh, 24-17 to 17 victory for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's go. Uh, now, Birch, how many arguments have you gone in and how many Buffalo Bills fans have you pissed off over the last, I would say, three, four days? I, I wouldn't say pissed off Buffalo Bills fans, but they're coming at me right now because they obviously <laughs> won. They won their first playoff game in 25 years, yeah. and they think they've won the Super Bowl. You know, I, I bring the, they're, they're fans of the reason I hate the team. I I – the sole reason. I mean, I'm not a Josh Allen believer, but they're they're pl- they were playing great football. You know, they still are playing great football. You know, mm-hmm. for the last six or seven weeks in the season. You know, they're, they're a good team, but their fans. I will I will go out and troll the shit out of their fans as often as I can for as long as I can. Oh wow! Well, very very aggressive, huh? Bearable. Oh, hey, struck a nerve. <laughs> Listen, I I like you said, I have a lot of respect for this Bills team. They are. 
they are a really, really good football team. You know, I, I still don't believe in Josh Allen just yet, but uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong. And, and I was going to pick against them when they got to the AFC Championship game and they weren't going to be able to beat the Chiefs. But the only other team I was going to pick against the Buffalo Bills was this Ravens team. I've been hot on this team for about four or five weeks now. I think they're peaking at the right time. I am super excited to see what happens. Um, like you guys laid it out, essentially, we all know what needs to happen. The Ravens need to run the ball, essentially keep Josh Allen, that offense, off the field. Now, I will say I am concerned if somehow that quick strike offense of the Bills gets up early on the Ravens, if they, if they get up by like 10 or 14 points uh, by halftime and take them out of their offense um, for, the, for, the, for the Ravens, I think that could essentially spill a lot of issues um, for the Baltimore Ravens because I do believe that Josh Allen uh, will be uh, – Josh Allen is a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. But when you mm. combine the running ability and the throwing ability of Lamar, I still take Lamar over, over Allen. So with that being said, I just like Lamar more. Um, he's won an MVP now and a playoff game. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm still not sold on Josh Allen just yet. Um, in totality, he's been more bad in the NFL than he has been good over the three years they've been in the NFL. Um, so give me the Ravens, 24-21. Like, Real? L- l- oh, go ahead, go first. Ahead, go, no, you go first. No, 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 no after you. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I like the matchup with Lamar Jackson J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards going against mm-hmm. this Buffalo defense. And, Jay, to your point, uh, Buffalo was down 10 early against, uh, against Tennessee, and they were able to, 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 to turn it around and, um, you, know, you know, obviously win the game. So I, yeah, that, but, but... that's going to come to the Baltimore defense figuring it out and slowing down Josh Allen. Obviously, Buffalo's offense is a quicker strike than Yeah, exactly, offense. right? And that's always been my problem with Tannehill as well. You know, everybody loves Tannehill, but I have always said, if you take Derrick Henry away from Tannehill, can Tannehill win you a game? Can he win you a big, meaningful game? And, and that's, you know, I, I felt like I've been proven right over the weekend because you Derrick were. Henry didn't show up. He had 40 yards, and Tannehill was nobody found. So I think it's a completely different situation with um, with the Buffalo Bills because they look to throw first before they run, and if they get the Buffalo Bills down, if they get the Ravens down, it might be a long night for the Ravens. Yeah, my, again, my point like, on that is just if it's, if it's 10 points, they're not going to go away from what their, you know, what their identity is. I mean, if you're talking 17, 21 points, then then you might have have a strong case here. But I think I think 10 points is a, and even two scores, uh, two touchdowns, 14 points is uh, is not enough for them to go go away from their identity. And, and even then, like, again, if Wink Martindale decides to blitz every down and goes into man, he's going to get picked apart. And, you know, to, to mitigate that run, uh, the run offense, what I think is going to happen on the defensive side of the football, what I think Leslie Frazier should do is there really isn't a, a pass catcher outside of Mark Andrews that scares you. So, like, you don't need Tredavious White to shadow anybody. Hollywood Brown it doesn't really warrant that kind of coverage at this point. So you can just move White to wherever he's going to best fit on that play to make things happen. I think you drop one of those safeties in the box. I think you move uh, Micah Hyde down there to help out Matt Milano in the box to, to, to mitigate that run uh, run offense as best you can. Go back to the bend but don't break defense. And, and really just hope you can get some quick strikes between you know, uh, uh, a hobbled but gutting it out, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs lighting it up through the air as a wide receiver. And, you know, call me crazy. I just, I know John Brown, Smokey Brown didn't do anything last week. It was his first game back from uh, basically having uh, an ankle injury that put him on IR and then being on the COVID list. But 
to me, this just screams as a bounce back game for for John Brown. If a lot of the attention through the air is going to be dictated towards Stephon Diggs, I think John Brown might have himself a day this week. Can, can we just bring up real quick about how in the first half of that game, like I don't really remember Stephon Diggs' name being called all that often in the first half against the Colts. I think a majority of his production came in that second half. Um, you know, against Indianapolis, and you know if they can if they can mitigate Stephon Diggs, you know they, I'm sure Baltimore will will be perfectly okay giving the stuff up over the middle. You know, short dink and dunk passing, um, if they can eliminate that big play threat. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah, well, a lot of that goes back to Dayball being cute. Like they they really didn't get into tempo really by necessity uh, until that drive uh, before halftime with like a minute and a half left in the game. Uh, or the or, or till halftime rather, where Josh Allen uh, he really was almost dead to rights. He did that flick for thirty five yards down the field to the digs, and and then the rest is history. Yeah, you saw you saw my tweet response to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Randy Marsh, baby. <laughs> whatever. Hey, you know what? Regardless of the fact, like the dude off balance on his back leg just flicks it effortlessly. Like, that was a Mahomesian-like throw, and he just hits it on a rope down the middle for 35 yards and gets a, uh, a chunk play to get them into scoring position. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, that's a hell of a throw right there. Hell of a throw, but uh, hell of a meme. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Guilty, <laughs> guilty as fucking charged, Burge. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys, uh, any more things right here on this game? I'm good. I think I said what I needed to say. Yeah, okay. good. Buffalo to Super Bowl. Let's go. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we got the uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, shocker upset over the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, getting their first playoff win in God knows how long, quarter of a century maybe. Uh, going up into Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Pumo, he got win this game, sir. So... Because of history, because it's Andy Reid off of a bye, I'm, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. But we can all agree that the Chiefs have been underwhelming seven out of the last eight weeks of the season. Uh, and I, I think this is going to be a much closer game than a lot of people are expecting. Uh, the, the the point spread is, uh, is 10 points in this game. And I think it's going to be really close. I wouldn't be surprised if it is, you know, maybe a field goal at this point. A lot of the games that the Chiefs have won over those uh, over those last couple of weeks uh, have been by less than a touchdown. Uh, so I think the, the Browns can do it. Uh, like I said, Andy Reid off of a bye. It's, it's a uh, historical record here. You know, the offensive weapons, they're just insane. A plethora of, of weapons that, that – um, that Patrick Mahomes has at his disposal. Uh, but the, the Cleveland Browns, they're coming in. They're coming in with gusto. They, they've had to grind it out every week to fight for a playoff spot. They beat their big brother in the AFC North to punch their ticket to the divisional round. Uh, the only thing that I have in question for Cleveland is the fact that this offensive line, there isn't a whole lot of depth, and a lot of those pieces have been dinged up. Jack Conklin didn't really finish out the rest of the game. He got hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. Denzel Ward, he should be able to come back and play this week. Uh, I believe he was on the COVID list and, and missed last week. I think if the Browns are going to have a puncher's chance, they're going to have to run the football. They're going to have to, like I said, stick with the girl mm -hmm. that got you to the dance. You're going to have to run with Chubb. You're going to have to run with Hunt. This could be a, a Kareem Hunt, air quote, revenge game, despite what the optics are in that saying as to why. 
But, you know, this is going to be one of the first games Kareem Hunt plays back in Arrowhead since he got cut by the Chiefs two years ago. Um, I think if they're going to have a chance, they have to keep it close. They have to run the football, live off a of play action. Baker Mayfield looked great. Um, I hope he's able to, you know, kind of double down with his backwards hat, you know, against Colin Cowherd. But <laughs> despite despite all that, I like the Chiefs in this game. I just think it's going to be uh, a lot closer than 10 points. Uh, for those of you betting the over-under, the over-under is at 56. I'm not really touching that it, just because uh, I don't really know how this game's going to go, but I definitely like Cleveland covering the 10 points. Birch, we got? Boom, it seems like we're only going to disagree on one game this week. Oh. I, I, I am also going to take Kansas City in this game until Patrick Mahomes loses, uh, you, know, uh, you know, after, you know, in a playoff game after, you know, what they showed last year where – they, they get behind by so much, and they, they're able to come back and, and, and deci- decisively win their games. I, I'm going to take Kansas City in this game. I loved what I saw out of Cleveland last week. Um, but, yeah, they got to stick to their they got to stick to their, their identity. they got to run the ball effectively. they got a two-headed monster running back in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and they got to stick with that, and they got to really push that. Um, I get, like, like you, uh, Puma, I agree that – 10-point spread, and I, I said this last week, I am not a believer in blowouts in the playoffs. I know there were a few that were that were, were, were uh, more than I had said last week, but I, I still, I, I like Cleveland to cover in this game, uh, the, you know, laying the 10 points, and, but give me Kansas City to win. Uh, I'm going to be with Mahomes until he proves me wrong, except in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, give me Cle- give me uh, Kansas City to win. I'll say it's going to be a uh, we'll say twenty eight to uh, twenty one game. Yeah, yes, and I also agree with you guys. I mean, the Browns are a great story, and we're all happy for them getting their first win. And you know, you can just see how excited all the Browns fans in Cleveland was to get that win. But you're in a different league now against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? If the Browns were to win this game, they're going to need to get that twenty eighteen AFC Championship game blueprint off the Patriots and run that to a T, right? Essentially run the hell out of the ball, control the time of possession, and essentially have, you know, uh, Baker Mahomes make, I'm sorry, Baker uh, make those big plays that Brady did, which is probably asking a lot um, for Baker to emulate Brady in that in that environment. The Chiefs rank 16th against the pass, which is, you know, middle of the pack, but they rank 31st against the run, which is somewhere the uh, the Browns should be looking at to to attack that defense, right? Um, in total, that Chiefs defense is not very stout. Um, they play more op- opportunistic, um, and the Browns can't exploit if they play well. I, at the end of the day, like you said, I'm not going to say much more about this. It's very simple to me. Chiefs are going to win this in this realm of 32 to 23. Um, the the Browns will put up a fight. Uh, they won't lose by more than ten. Um, but the only other thing we gotta keep an eye on is are the Chiefs gonna be rusty? Because now this is gonna be three weeks before they actually play a game. Because Patrick Mahomes and most of the starters on offense didn't play the last game of the regular season. They had a bye, and now this is the game week for the Browns. So we're looking at what almost three weeks of not playing any live football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think the uh, I think the Browns, if they want to play defensively here, they could take a page out of what the Patriots did to them earlier this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they held them to six points in the first half. You know, controlling the clock and you know, 
and, and keeping Mahomes kind of confusing the hell out of them. And, you know, if they do that, I mean, we may have a game. I mean, I'm rooting for the Browns to win this game, but, again, I'm not picking against them. Against right. Long right. time ago of the week three um, when the season was still alive for all of us. <laughs> well, not even just that. I mean, you can even look at the Denver Broncos game. I mean, exactly. That, yeah. that game was close. And, you know, say what you want about Vic Fangio as a head coach. But what that defense did against uh, Kansas City in primetime, like they they bent, they didn't break, they they got them into the red zone, and then they traded touchdowns for field goals. Like, if you're able to do that, and I think this Browns team could because I, I love me some Miles Garrett, despite the fact that he almost decapitated somebody last year with a helmet. But I think this pass rush can get home if they're able to do that and, you know, trade field goals with this team. I, I think they're going to have a puncher's chance in this game. Um, now, unless if we're good to move on, Jay... You have the floor in the Buccaneers-Saints game first. Oh, yes. Ah, the Buccaneers-Saints game. I'm looking forward to this one. So, I am going to take it to the bank that the New Orleans Saints are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, everybody listening is probably going to be like, well, Jay, I thought you were a, a Tom Brady fan, which I am. Of course I am. But what I saw out of the Buccaneers defense on Saturday was troublesome. Uh, Puma was there um, watching me lose my shit over... Uh, <laughs> Heineken! <laughs> over, Heineken! Uh, over Taylor, Taylor Swift Heineken um, absolutely carving up that Buccaneers defense. Like, I truly believe this Buccaneers defense is by far the worst defense in the original 14 teams that made it to the playoffs, right? Um, you know, I was watching that game Saturday night... And you couldn't tell if Heineke was... Like, I thought Heineke was the second coming of Joe Montana and Michael Vick. He was able to move the ball through the air very freely, right? And then via his legs, he was able to do some damage. He ended up with 306 yards, one touchdown, uh, 46 yards on the ground, and another touchdown. And at the end of the day, this Buccaneers defense is just bad right they're just so undisciplined especially in the secondary they don't play with leverage they're always guessing and the worst part of all, all of this is they can't seem to generate any pressure the last i would say three four weeks um beginning of the year um dominic and sue J uh, jpp those guys were able to bring some pressure um unfortunately that has kind of gone away so with that being said, with how bad that defense looked against Heineken, I, I can only imagine what Drew Brees is going to do to this defense, and that's why I'm picking the Saints. Um, the closer you look at this Bucks team, the more you realize this team is simply a good quarterback and four good wide receivers, and that's really it, right? The closer you look at these numbers, they're bad on defense. They don't really have a very consistent run game. Uh, I believe B.A. is a buffoon of a coach, so coaching is in a strong suit. And I unfortunately fear that Drew Brees is going to carve up that Buccaneers defense. Brady will put up a fight. Uh, obviously, he's going to look good. Um, he'll probably throw up, I would say, 28, 30 points. But he will realistically need to put up 40 points um, to keep pace with Drew Brees. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that against a very good Saints defense, um, which I have a lot of respect for. So take it to the bank. Saints win 35-28, unfortunately. And Tom Brady's reign comes to an end this year. Burgeon, go next. <laughs> Ooh, this this was a tough one for me when I was uh, when I was looking into it and seeing seeing who I was going to pick to win this game. Um, you know, the Saints do have that great defense, but I mean, look at what look at what Brady and the Bucks did to you know the Washington defense. I expected a much uh, stronger performance out of Washington's defense, and and I didn't expect what I saw out of uh, Heineke in that game. So. 
you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Saints in this game. I think it's going to be close. I think that um, I thought you said you're picking I, the Bucks. I said I, I said I was leaning. I, I said ah, I wasn't sure. I said I was leaning okay. away, and okay. I'm going with the Saints in this game. I, you know, I their defense is really good. I got like UJ. I got a lot of respect for them, and you know, Drew Brees. I think Michael Thomas is healthy again. Kamara Murray back there. Their offense is you know firing on all cylinders, and uh, you know. I, I share your concerns with with the Bucks defense, and you know I, I I've been critical of the Bucks all year. They've they've exceeded what I thought they were going to do this year. I, I really thought they were going to be a fringe playoff team or miss the playoffs. I was more of a nine and seven, ten and six than I was an eleven five out of this Bucks team. Um, you know the Bucks have have over the uh, over their regular season they beat one playoff team and that was you know going up to green bay and absolutely spanking the crap out of the packers that week you know and they they really beat up on all the bad teams in the league you know last week i they they pulled out the win against the, the washington football team but let's be honest they were a seven and nine team playing with a guy who has one other start in the nfl or uh, it might not even be a start it might have mm -hmm. been been just a just a game um that he played and boy Taylor Heineke was impressive in that game, and I was really rooting for him because that, that's a great story out of what that, what that kid has gone through. And, you know, I wish, uh, you know, he was with the Patriots at one point, so he picked Tom Brady's brain for three weeks. Maybe that's why he was able to, uh, to you know, go out there and put up the performance that he did. It was a real gutsy performance and a lot of respect out to, uh, to Taylor Heineke. But um, the, the, I'm going to pick the Saints to win this game in the realm of a 31-24 uh, to uh, 24 victory for the Saints. But I will say this. I'm not going to be surprised if the Bucks are able to win this. Um, Here comes I the may, hedge. I may, I may yep. get some, I may get some crap for this. Listen, and now listen, I may get some crap for this, but it's very difficult for, for a team to to beat another team See, three I, times I in one season. You may not buy into it, I don't but buy that argument is. because if if you're better, like, you know, as, as a kid, and the analogy I'll give you is as a kid, I was, you know, at, at the age of 10 uh, and my brother was seven, I was like a feet and a half taller than him. So every single time I played him, I beat, every time, every single time we played basketball, I beat the living shit out of him, right? And, and the Saints are just a better team. It doesn't matter if it's three times or 10 times. At the end of the day, the Saints are a better, more complete team, right? Their running game is great. I mean, they've got great wide receivers. Drew Brees still looks like he has something to tank. That defense is looking great when... All you're looking at the at the Buccaneers. I mean, they really just have a good quarterback and like four good receivers. I mean, and that will get you far. But the rest of the team is not good at all, man. Well, well, I think that that comes down this, this comes down to coaching at this point. Oh yeah, you know, you, you've seen B.A. is a buffoon. A He's a complete buffoon. I totally agree with you. That oh, He's my God. I, you said that early in the year, and I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But the more I watch this, the guy is a bumbling idiot and a buffoon. And I've said it, you know – Earlier in the year, I said it that he's going to eventually be the downfall of this team, mm -hmm. whether it's Sunday or it's uh, it's in the Super Bowl, one or the other. It's going to be the coaching of this team that's going to end up being their Achilles heel and why they're not going to 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 win a championship. Now, if you were telling me Bill Belichick was coaching this Bucks team Here against the Saints on a, the third time, <laughs> I'm gonna oh okay okay, I, I would have more faith in the Bucks. But it, when you when you're playing a team a third time. It really comes down to coaching. You've seen it twice. You got spanked the last time you played them. If you have a really good coaching staff, you're going to fix that. And you're going to scheme it properly to, to give your team the best chance to win. I don't have 
faith that Arians could do it. All I'm saying is I'm not going to be surprised if it happens. But I am going on the limb, and I'm going to say the Saints are going to win this game. Quite the limb. Oh, Put a lot of laugh. weight on that limb, yeah, Chief. Quite go the limb. Go ahead and laugh. Laugh it up. Laugh it up. Go ahead. Yep, yep. Quite, the, quite the limb. Yeah, Saints are winning, but I wouldn't be surprised hey, if the hey, Buccaneers hey, won. Hey, Woo! Just, know, just know if the Bucks win this game, I'm going to I'm gonna let you both up on Twitter regardless oh, yeah. of my pick in this game. Oh, yeah. Burris, so, I'm really yeah. going to lose sleep about the yeah. hedge you just did. You, um, you, you will. You will, Puma. Oh God! Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it as brief as possible. Despite, <laughs> despite the 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 Saints' history and the you know the the coach Sean Payton being cute with some of the play calling in the playoffs, I I still think the Saints are gonna win this game. I mean the the point spreads three. It's been stuck at three uh, ever since this line came out. Um, I I think. The Saints win this game. It, you know, you have the a healthy Michael Thomas, and it's not saying much because it's a Chicago Bears that they played. But, you know, he looked good. I think he actually found the end zone at one point in the game last week. Um, and I, I, I just have more faith in this defense for the Saints. And I think Marshawn Lattimore is going to get under Mike Evans' skin because that's what he does. And he's going to get him flustered, and I think that's going to create – uh, you know, a different, a couple opportunities for turnovers. If you know Mike Evans is too focused on trying to blow up Marshawn Lattimore and not mm-hmm. follow through with his route, I think it's going to create some turnovers. I think he might leave Tom Brady out to dry at points, and we saw this. And you know, this might have been because it was cold in Washington. It was an outdoor game for a team from Florida, but Chris Godwin was dropping everything. I mean, he could oh, not yeah, he catch did. a cold. Oh, he could God. not catch a cold if his life depended on it, and he, he dropped, just had stone hands. He dropped five passes for 70 yards yep. and a touchdown. I mean, it was absolutely insane because he's one of the more short-handed guys on the team. Yep. Um, but with, with all that being said, you know, it, it, I, I like the Saints in this game, and – for all of the adulations that you know we've seen out of the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming out of the bye, because it seems like this offense has flipped a bit some, where they're going back to something that's that makes Brady a little bit more co- uh, comfortable in that offense, which is quick throws, quick strikes, get the ball out in like two seconds and whatnot, uh, despite really not having an established running game because. You know, Bruce Arians hates Ronald Jones for some reason. Leonard Fournette can't catch the ball out of the backfield as well, too. And Keyshawn Vaughn is going to have a cup of coffee here and there. But I I just – I don't have a whole lot of faith unless – I love me some B.A. despite the buffoonery. Buffoon. Absolute buffoon. But I just – I have no faith in Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich finding a way to fuck it up in this game. So I'm going to take the Saints to win this game. I think they're going to punch their ticket to the NFC Championship game. Um, uh, Three points. I'm probably not going to bet this spread unless it changes a little bit more. Uh, But I'm going to lean towards New Orleans in this game. Yeah. And I was very pleased with with how well that offensive line played against um, that defensive line for the Washington football team. Because, you know, a a lot of it was made, you know, a lot of people were looking forward to seeing Brady get broken in half um, by Chase Young. You know, the jealousy and the hate started to come through last week. And I'm thinking to myself, there's there's absolutely no way the Buccaneers are going to lose this game. Uh, I thought it was going to be close, but I I knew there was going to be no way they're going to lose this game against the Washington football team. And haters like uh, Burge and the Puma were picking the, the... Washington football team to okay. win, but right. you know, listen, I, I am I am excited that 
but you know we're gonna see another Brady Breeze matchup number three. Um, it's gonna be great. We're all gonna sit down and watch it. We're gonna watch the old geezers go at it. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be fun. They'll, they'll be, be trading AARP card numbers for Christ's sake. <laughs> you seen that hey, that picture going around yeah, Twitter listen, with, listen, with all them? If you're gonna put everything aside, I did see that picture. If you put everything aside, I also am shocked that Brady has looked this good, man. His his arm looks like it's live, and he's throwing the ball deep downfield. I don't see any slowing down. I don't know if you guys see it differently, but he doesn't no. look any different to me than he was about 10 years ago. No, I agree with you 100%. Set avocado ice cream. Whatever. Yeah. It is, hey, whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do. All I know is I asked my sister, hey, what kind of skincare routine do I need to get on? Because I don't want to look like George Blanda. <laughs> I do not want to look like George Blanda. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, George Blanda was smoking like three packs a day. Like, that's, my that's God, smoking was okay. That, like, I understand why Brady is all about TV twelve now. Like, he, I saw that picture and I'm like, oh my God, is <laughs> that what happens when you drink water and you properly hydrated and you eat avocado ice cream? <laughs> I mean, I don't even think uh, I don't even think Brady drinks alcohol for Christ's sake. I, I think he did like the you know Jay Chima. No offense, I think he did the Jay Chima whiskey face for a shot of Fireball. Uh, at the uh, at the Kentucky Derby, so I, I don't think he he partakes in anything that's a, that's considered a vice by some people. Uh, and, and yeah, like anybody's gonna look like George Blanda if they're smoking like you know three packs of Marlboro Red a day. Jesus Christ, I, I, I I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. He played in the '70s for Christ's sake. Yeah. He can smoke on the sideline. Well, listen, overall, I do think this Buccaneers team overachieved this year. Um, I, I do think that a lot of us had them in that 9-7, and 10-6 and six range, and I think 11-5 and five and winning a playoff game is big for a uh, first-year run at this thing. Um, I think next year is going to be their year. Um, hopefully, at that point, the Saints and Drew Brees is retired. I think the Saints are going to end up winning the Super Bowl. The more I look at their team, they're so complete in all facets, facets of their team. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is it for the, for the Buccaneers this year. This is going to be the end of the line. Are you guys gonna go to go, gonna make the trip up to Gillette when uh, Tampa Bay returns to New England this year, next year, if they uh, allow fans in? I mean, if the world comes back to normal and they're not just letting more than six thousand people in, I, I can assume that ticket is gonna be through the fucking roof, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not parting ways with an Oregon to go sit in the fucking nosebleeds at Gillette. Well, you're no not. Offense. But uh, it was Burge, more I'll go with you, man. I know. I know. I know. Puma's a Brady hater. Burge, here, I'll go. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Burge, I'll go with my uh, Buccaneers Tom Brady jersey on. You can go with your Bill Belichick hoodie cut off. You know. Yeah. You, Don, Jay, you, you're gonna. Don. You're gonna really find out about uh, you know really bumping uh, Patriot fans up with the nosebleeds, ready to throw down because hey have, hey uh, hey, easy, hey, easy, hey hey easy. they fight we're amongst themselves like Bill. We're, Mel- we're not, oh oh themselves. stop it! Brandon, don't even go! Don't even go! Brandon, Brandon, we are sophisticated <laughs> liberal oh, people on the East stop Coast. Stop it! We're not a bunch of hailbillies from Buffalo. All right. Hey, stop it! We're 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 we're, we're, reading, we're reading War and Peace up in the nosebleed. Are you kidding me? They can't even read past the, the, the breakdown of what the chapter pages are in the nosebleeds. Are you Brandon, fucking, oh, we're, stop we're talking it. about the All right, time. all right, Cowherd. All right, you're going to tell me that we shouldn't wear a backwards hat? All right, Brandon, should we not wear a backwards hat at a press conference? Got, we At Gillette Stadium, we have trench coaches with nice hats. We talk about War and oh, Peace. Okay. We talk about World Affairs. Hey. Unlike you hillbillies up in Buffalo who are beating each other up in the stands, we're more sophisticated, all right? 
Hey, yeah, hey, okay. no, 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 no. I've witnessed no. Patriots fans fight amongst themselves at games in the nosebleeds. I've witnessed it. I've watched it. I call those clowns Please. idiots. And, you know, it's the same as what, what, what Puma's team is, does. You know, his Buffalo Bills, they're the same. It's, it's the same thing. I know, I know Puma's a big Buffalo Bills fan. And God forbid. God forbid. Josh way. Allen's my guy. Okay. Man, that's that that is living rent free in your mind, Burge. <laughs> me, me, me being a, a Josh Allen fan and Buffalo respecting Bills. and respecting the Buffalo Bills as a Miami well, Dolphins well, fan. It's, it's just peculiar because you know, like I understand what you're saying, Brandon, because like you know, I'm a big Tom Brady fan. But, like, it's Josh Allen. Like, at least Tom Brady's won six Super Bowls. I mean, the guy is the greatest of all time. Oh, yeah, because pick- because because Tom Brady because Tom Brady won the job out of Michigan. He he there was a re- like he he was drafted in the sixth round. Like, let's let's don't get it twisted. He is the greatest of all time. But like the first couple of like the first two Super Bowls, like he wasn't God's gift of fucking football at that point. So yeah, well, you got to start from somewhere. I'm not saying Allen's gonna be the next Brady. I'm not saying that at all. Like, but I, I totally like understand. I like what Josh Allen Josh Allen brings I to the can game. I totally get on board with you if you're like, dude, Patrick Mahomes, bro. Did you see that Super Bowl run he had? Oh my God, he's a beast. But it's Josh Allen, bro. Like the guy, the guy is more bad in the NFL than good. He's at ten good games this year, and everybody's losing their minds. Like the guy, he's all right. Oh, God, right? God, God forbid, God forbid, somebody shows you know development and progress, considering hey, where they came from. Don't but, minimize Tom Brady's performance in those first two Super Bowls. Oh, he Do will. not minimize that. I'm not minimizing it, but you're making it sound like the guy threw for 500 fucking yards when he threw for 199 against the Rams. That defense shut down the greatest show on turf. Like, don't... Different NFL. Different NFL. Oh, oh, here we go. Okay. All right, Birch. Keep moving the fucking goalposts. All right, keep moving the goalposts. No, I'm just taking back. Hey, did, did Brady not lead lead the winning drive in both of those games with with ease? Did he not? Yeah, but you're did making it sound like he came out and threw for 500 yards and four touchdowns when he threw for 199. Like, just just how stop. many people had thrown just for 500 stop. yards at that point? How many people had oh, thrown for 500 okay. yards at that point? All right, in 2001. Right. Okay. Well, I don't know. Talk to talk to you know the St. Louis Rams at that point, the greatest show on turf. With I'm four not minimizing what the defense receivers. did for that team. Brady was a game manager early in his career, but you can't. And that's argue what I was what saying. Those so what? You can't so what argue the fuck what he are we did talking in those about? Games. So what the you fuck are we talking about? What he did in those games? You can't by argue managing it. and having the defense win the game. That's basically what I said. God forbid I say he no, throws no. for 199 yards in the first Super Bowl. Ho ho ho! And he and, and he leads the winning drive with a minute left in the game with one timeout. Okay. But they had to get. They needed the defense to win well, that. They needed okay. Adam Vinatieri to kick the field goal. So what are we? What are we? Burge, what are we talking about here? I said the first two Super Bowls. He he wasn't God's gift of football. He won that team won on defense. He did what he had to do. He threw for 199 yards in the first Super Bowl. Like good Lord, have mercy. So, Brandon, let me ask you a question. Uh, the first three years of Tom Brady compared to the first three years of Josh Allen, who do you think has had the better career so far? I'm not saying that Josh – I don't know why you guys keep getting it twisted. I'm not saying Josh Allen's going to be the next Tom Brady. But God that's, fucking that's, forbid somebody says that they like a person's game and what they bring to the offense and what they – bought his to. jersey. Okay, Burge. So what the fuck is the problem with that? Like, are you going to start charging me rent for living in your fucking mind by being a, a Josh Allen fan and what he does for the game? And, you and bought how the jersey he, of your division rival. Okay, I like Josh Allen. Like the player, 
God forbid. God forbid. Okay. Living rent free. I'm I'm good with the Josh Allen jersey. I like Josh Allen. I like what Josh Allen has done in his game thus far. He showed progress since coming out of Wyoming. The dude is a, the dude's a stud. He has a hell of an arm. He's got he brings a different aspect to this game. And you know, I just like I like what he does to in a football game. And I want to picture yeah, of you. And on yeah, Jada, like answering your question, like yeah, sure. Tom Brady has had a hell of a first three years compared to Josh Allen, but. Regardless of the fact, I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. But I just like what Josh Allen does. I think he's been showing massive strides in his young career as an NFL uh, quarterback. And I think there's more to come. God forbid you say can, that. Can, can, you, can you send me a picture of you wearing his jersey on uh, Twitter on Saturday when they're playing, please? Sure. No problem, Burge. No. If it helps with the rent, no fucking problem. Hey. Hey, that'll be your payment for renting my head. How's that sound? Perfect. <laughs> All right. So it looks like we're looking forward to that game on Saturday, huh? <laughs> we're going to be going back and forth on Twitter all game. It's going to be fun. It's going to be game. fun. Can't wait. Can't um, wait. Do you guys want to get to anything else or are we good? Uh, I'm good. Personal bets real quick now that my oh. fucking blood pressure's through oh. the roof. And a recap <laughs> of Take It to the Goddamn Bank. So Take It to the Bank. For those of you that survived this long of the podcast, we have Jay with the Saints money line, despite me trying to actually help you make money by taking the spread. Uh, he's taking the Saints money line here. I'm taking the under in the Rams game, which is at 45 and a half. Burgess taking the Baltimore Ravens. I believe you were taking the spread, yep. which was two and a half right now. Yep. yep. Uh some personal best of mine that I will be making this week. Uh, I'm taking the Rams to cover six and a half. I like Buffalo to uh, to cover the two and a half. I think they're gonna they're gonna win outright. I like Cleveland to cover the ten easily. Uh, the New Orleans Saints as uh, three point dogs. I'm not too sure if I'm gonna pull the trigger on that one, but I lean towards possibly putting a ticket in that. Uh, but those are my bets for this week. All right, looking forward to another fun week. Do we want to hit Freddie with a you're fired? Yes, sir. So, Freddie, if you survived this much as well, Freddie Soliotis, you're fired! Oh, God, that was a good one. I look forward to that every week. Uh Uh-huh. Let's plug it up and let's call it a day. All right, this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcast, Stitcher, YouTube under Pro Football Radio Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is at Burge the Goalie. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on social media. If you can't tell, it's going to be a very uh, lively event on Saturday between all of us, particularly <laughs> me and the troll, a.k.a. Burge. So AKA it's Bolio. Be, yeah, a.k.a. Bolio Jr. over here. Um, but yeah, uh, like, subscribe, download, tell your friends, tell your family, hit us up on social media, join the conversation. It's going to be a good time this week and great playoff football. Yes, uh, same time next uh, week, folks. Goodbye. Fire con Dios! <laughs>